Welcome back listeners to Storytime Anytime for You. We are continuing our journey through Alice in Wonderland by Lewis Carroll. We are picking up our story with Chapter 8, The Queen's Croquet Ground. There was a large rose tree at the garden's entrance. The roses growing on it were white, but there were three gardeners painting them red. Suddenly they saw Alice approaching them. Excuse me, but why are you painting the roses red? asked Alice. The gardeners were three cards. They told Alice that this was supposed to be a red rose tree, but they planted a white rose tree instead. If the queen finds out, she'll cut off our heads, they said in a frightened whisper. At that moment, one of the cards who had been anxiously looking across the garden called out, The queen! The queen! and the three gardeners instantly threw themselves flat upon their faces. There was a sound of many footsteps, and Alice looked around, eager to see the queen. First came ten card soldiers carrying clubs, with their hands and feet at the corners. Then ten courtiers, ornamented all over with diamonds. After them, the ten royal children, all ornamented with hearts, Next came the guests, mostly kings and queens, and among them Alice recognized the white rabbit. Then followed the knave of hearts carrying the king's crown on a crimson velvet cushion. And at the end of this grand procession came the king and queen of hearts. Alice was rather doubtful whether she ought not to lie down on her face like the three gardeners, but she could not remember ever having heard of such a rule at processions. Besides, what would be the use of a procession, thought she, if people had all to lie down upon their faces so that they couldn't see it? So she stood still where she was and waited. When the procession came to Alice, they all stopped and looked at her. The queen saw Alice and asked severely, Who is this? She said it to the knave of hearts, who only bowed and smiled in reply. Idiot! said the queen, tossing her head impatiently, and turning to Alice, she went on, What's your name, child? My name is Alice, your majesty, said Alice very politely. And who are these? said the queen, pointing to the three gardeners who were lying around the rose tree. For you see, as they were lying on their faces, and the patterns on their back was the same as the rest of the pack, She could not tell whether they were gardeners or soldiers or courtiers or three of her own children. How should I know, said Alice, surprised at her own courage. It's no business of mine. The queen turned turned crimson with fury and after glaring at her for a moment like a wild beast screamed, Off with her head! Off! Nonsense, said Alice very loudly and decidedly and the queen was silent. The king laid his hand upon her arm and timidly said, Consider, my dear, that she is only a child. The queen turned angrily away from him and said to the knave, Turn them over. The knave did so very carefully with one foot. Get up, said the queen in a shrill, loud voice, and the three gardeners instantly jumped up. What have you been doing here? 
please your majesty, said one of the cards in a very humble tone. We were trying. I see, said the queen, who had been examining the roses, off with their heads. And the procession moved on, three of the soldiers remaining behind to execute the unfortunate gardeners who ran to Alice for protection. She put them into a large flower pot that stood near her. The three soldiers wandered about for a minute or two, looking for them, and then quietly marched off after the others. Are their heads off? shouted the queen. Their heads are gone, if it pleases your majesty, the soldiers shouted in reply. Grunting in reply, the queen turned to Alice. Can you play croquet? she shouted. Yes, said Alice loudly. Come on, then! roared the queen, and Alice joined the procession, wondering very much what would happen next. Fine day, isn't it? said a timid voice to Alice. She was walking by the white rabbit, who was peeping anxiously into her face. Very, said Alice. Where's the duchess? Hush, said the rabbit, in a low, hurried tone. He looked anxiously over his shoulder as he spoke, and then raised himself up on tiptoe, put his mouth close to her ear and whispered, She is sentenced to be executed. What? But why? asked Alice, shocked. She boxed the queen's ears, the rabbit said. Alice gave a little scream of laughter. Quiet, quiet the rabbit whispered. The queen will hear you. You see, she came rather late. And the queen said, Get to your places, shouted the queen in a voice of thunder, and everyone began running about in all directions, tumbling up against one another. They got settled down in a minute or two, and the game began. Alice had never seen such a curious croquet ground in her life. It was all ridges and furrows. The croquet balls were live hedgehogs, and the mallets were live flamingos. The soldiers had to double themselves up and stand on their hands and feet to make the arches. The main difficulty for Alice at first was managing her flamingo. She succeeded in getting its body tucked away comfortably enough under her arm with its legs hanging down. But just as she had got its neck nicely straightened out and was going to give the hedgehog a blow with its head, it would twist itself around and look up in her face with such a puzzled expression that she could not help from bursting out laughing. And when she had got its head down and was going to begin again, it was very provoking to find that the hedgehog had unrolled itself and was in the act of crawling away. Besides all this, there was generally a ridge or furrow in the way wherever she wanted to send the hedgehog to. The doubled-up soldiers were always getting up and walking off to other parts of the ground. Alice soon came to the conclusion that it was a very difficult game indeed. The players all played at once, without waiting for turns, quarreling all the while and fighting for the hedgehogs. In a very short time, the queen was in a furious passion and went stamping about and shouting, Off with his head! Off with her head! About once every minute. Alice began to feel very uneasy. 
To be sure, she had not as yet had any dispute with the queen, but she knew that it might happen any minute. And then, thought she, what would become of me? They're dreadfully fond of beheading people here. It's a wonder that there's anyone left alive. She looked around for a way to escape and wondered whether she could get away without being seen when she noticed a curious appearance in the air. It puzzled her very much at first, but after watching it a minute or two, she made it out to be a grin. Then she saw the Cheshire cat's face appear in the air. How are you getting on? asked the cat. In another minute, the whole head appeared, and then Alice put down her flamingo and began an account of the game, feeling very glad she had someone to listen to her. The Cheshire cat seemed to think that there was enough of itself now in sight and did not make the rest of its body appear. I don't think they are playing fair at all, complained Alice. They fight with one another so much that you can't hear yourself speak. They don't have rules either. If there are, nobody attends to them, and you've no idea how confusing it is that all the things are alive. For instance, there's the arch I've got to go through next, walking about at the other end of the ground, and I should have croqueted the queen's hedgehog just now, only it ran away when it saw mine coming. How do you like the queen? asked the cat. Not at all, said Alice. She's so extremely. Just then, she noticed that the queen was listening close behind her. So she went on, likely to win that it's hardly worthwhile finishing the game. The queen smiled and passed on. Who are you talking to? asked the king, going up to Alice and looking at the cat's head with great curiosity. It's a friend of mine, a Cheshire cat said Alice. Allow me to introduce it. I don't like the look of it at all, said the king. However, it may kiss my hand if it likes. I'd rather not, the cat remarked. Don't be impertinent, said the king, and don't look at me like that. He got behind Alice as he spoke. It must be removed, he said very decidedly, and he called the queen, who was passing at the moment. My dear, I wish you would have this cat removed. The queen had only one way of settling all difficulties, great or small. Off with its head, she said, without even looking around. I'll fetch the executioner myself, the king said eagerly, and he hurried off. Alice thought she might as well go back and see how the game was going on. She heard the queen's voice in the distance screaming with passion. She had already heard her sentence, three of the players to be executed for having missed their turn, and she did not like the look of things at all. The game was in such confusion that she never knew whether it was her turn or not. She went off in search of her hedgehog. The hedgehog was engaged in a fight with another hedgehog, and Alice thought this it to be a good chance for croqueting one of them with the other. The only difficulty was that her flamingo was on the other side of the garden, helplessly trying to fly up into a tree. By the time she had caught the flamingo and brought it back, the fight was over and both the hedgehogs were out of sight. But it doesn't matter much, thought Alice. 
as all the arches are gone from this side of the ground. She caught the flamingo and tucked it away under her arm so that it might not escape again. When she looked up again, she saw a large crowd gathered around the Cheshire cat. There was a large dispute between the executioner, the queen, and the king over it. While they spoke all at once, the others just stood there looking uncomfortable. The moment Alice appeared, they ran to her to tell her their side of the story. They begged her to solve the issue, but Alice found it hard to understand what any of them were saying as they all spoke together. According to the executioner, a head can only be cut off if it is attached to a body. He clearly stated that he had never chopped off a bodiless head in his life, and he wasn't going to go about it now. The king said that anything having a head can be executed. As per the queen, she said that she'd have everyone executed if something wasn't done soon. Having no proper reply, Alice replied diplomatically, Since the cat belongs to the duchess, I think you should ask her about all this. The queen sent the executioner to fetch the duchess from the prison. The moment the executioner left, the cat's head began to fade. It completely disappeared by the time he returned with the duchess. The king and the executioner ran all over the place looking for it, and the others got back to the game. Chapter 9. The Mock Turtle's Story Alice met the duchess, who had been set free. The duchess tucked her arm affectionately into Alice's, and they walked off together. You can't imagine how glad I am to see you, dear, said the duchess. Alice was happy to find her in such a good mood and thought maybe it was the pepper that made her rude in the kitchen. She thought to herself that if she were duchess, she'd make sure there was no pepper in the kitchen to make people hot-tempered or vinegar to make them sour, maybe only sugar to make them sweet. You're thinking about something that makes you forget to talk, dear, said the Duchess in her ear. I can't tell you just how, can't tell you just now what the moral of that is, but I shall remember it in a bit. Perhaps it hasn't one, Alice remarked. Tut, tut, child, everything's got a moral. If only you can find it. She squeezed herself close to Alice, making Alice very uncomfortable. Alice could not be rude, so she decided to just bear this sharp pain that was in her shoulder, caused by the Duchess's sharp chin. She tried to keep the conversation going. The game's going well now. So it is, and the moral of that is, it's love that makes the world go round. Somebody said that it's done by everyone minding their own business, whispered Alice. It all means the same, and the moral of that is, take care of the sense, and the sounds will take care of themselves, the Duchess said. Alice thought of how fond the Duchess was of finding morals. The Duchess turned to her. Are you wondering why my arm isn't around your waist? The reason is that I'm not sure if your flamingo is friendly or not. May I pet him? He may bite, Alice cautioned her holding the poor, squirming bird against her. She did not want the Duchess to take this risk. 
The Duchess agreed, saying that flamingos and mustard both bite. The moral of that is, birds of a feather flock together. Mustard isn't a bird, it's a mineral, I think, pointed out Alice. Of course it is. There's a large mustard mine over there. The moral of that is, the more there is of mine, the less there is of yours. I think I'd understand it better if you wrote it down. I can't quite follow it as you say it, Alice said politely. Then she fell quiet. After a minute, the Duchess looked at her. Thinking again, my dear, she asked with a sharp dig of her pointed chin. I think I have the right to think, said Alice, a little annoyed. The Duchess continued. Just about as much right as pigs have to fly, and the moral, to Alice's great surprise, the Duchess's voice died away, and the arm that was linked to hers began to tremble. Alice looked up, and there stood the queen in front of them, with her arms folded, frowning. Good, good, good day, your majesty, the Duchess stammered. I will give you a fair choice, shouted the queen. Either you or you must have your head chopped off. Take your pick. The Duchess made her choice and disappeared. Shall we go back to the game? The Queen asked Alice. Alice, who was too afraid to say anything, agreed. All through the game, the Queen never stopped quarreling and shouting, Off with his head! Or off with her head! By the end of half an hour, all the players except the king, the queen, and Alice were facing execution. The queen, quite out of breath, turned to Alice. Have you seen the mock turtle yet? No, I haven't. I don't even know what a mock turtle is. Come then, said the queen. I want you to meet him. He'll tell you the story of his life. As they walked off together, Alice heard the king whisper to the crowd, You're all pardoned. She was quite relieved. After walking with the queen for a long time, they they saw After walking with the queen for a long time, they saw came came across a griffin fast asleep in the, in the sun. Now listeners, I'm going to pause for a moment because that looks like a typo in this book. So let me say that again. After walking with the queen for a long time, they came across a griffin fast asleep in the sun. I'm going to pause again. Did you notice there was a word I didn't say this time and it made a lot more sense. All right, now continuing our story. The griffin is a creature with the head, wings, claws of an eagle, and the body of a lion, tail included. Many believe the griffin stands for the two qualities of the eagle and lion combined, courage and watchfulness. The queen, of course, was unlike many. Get up, lazy bones, she ordered the creature. Take this young lady to the mock turtle so that she can hear his story. I must go back and see to the execution. Saying this, she walked off, leaving Alice alone with the griffin. She did not quite like the way it looked, but she figured that it was much safer than the queen. So she sat down and waited. The griffin woke up, rubbed his eyes, and watched the queen until she was far away from them. What fun, it chuckled. 
beg your pardon? asked Alice. It's all her imagination. They never execute anybody. Come on. Alice thought she had never been ordered around so much in her life. She hadn't gone far when they saw the mock turtle sitting sadly on a rock. She heard him sigh like his heart was breaking. Why is he unhappy? she asked the griffin. It replied like before that it was just his imagination. He's not really unhappy. Come on. They walked up to him. When he saw them, his eyes were full of tears, but he didn't say a word. The griffin started. This young lady wants to know the story of your life. I'll tell her, said the mock turtle. Sit down, but don't say a word till I've finished. They sat down. Alice waited patiently, holding her hands on her lap like a lady would. At last, with a deep sigh, the mock turtle began. Once I was a real turtle. This was followed by a long stretch of silence, interrupted only by the guttural sound from the griffin or the mock turtle sobbing. Alice was about to thank him for an interesting story and leave when he started again. When we were little, we went to school in the sea. He was calmer now. The teacher was an old turtle. We called him Tortoise. Why would you call him Tortoise? asked Alice. Because he taught us to, snapped the mock turtle. The griffin added, you should be ashamed of yourself asking something simple like that. They both stared at Alice until she felt like sinking into the earth. The griffin urged the mock turtle to go on. Yes, where was I? Oh, yes, we went to school in the sea. We had the best education. In fact, we went to school every day. I went to a day school, too, said Alice. No need to be so proud of that. Were there extras? asked the mock turtle. Yes, we learned French and music. And washing? inquired the mock turtle. Of course not, said Alice indignantly. Then yours wasn't a good school, said the mock turtle in a huff. Why would you want to learn washing, especially not if you live at the bottom of the sea? Unfortunately, I couldn't afford it. I only took the regular courses, reeling, writhing, different branches of arithmetic, ambition, distraction, uglification, and derision. I've never heard of uglification, murmured Alice, very confused. What is it? Hearing this, the griffin threw up its paws in surprise. Never heard of uglifying. I hope you know what it is to beautify. Yes, it means to make something prettier. Well, if you don't know what uglifying is, then you are a simpleton, said the griffin. Alice shook her head and turned to the mock turtle. What else did you learn? Well, there was mystery, he said, counting off the subjects on his flappers. Ancient and modern, seography, drawling and stretching, fainting with coils. What was that like? inquired Alice. Can't show you. I'm too stiff. Griffin never, Griffin here never learned it, said the mock turtle. Never had the time. I went to the classics teacher, though. Old crab he was, the griffin said. How many hours a day did you spend in school? asked Alice. 
first day 10 hours, nine the next, and so on, replied the Mock Turtle. What a curious plan, thought Alice. That's why they are called lessons, for they lessen each day, said the Griffin. Then day 11 must have been a holiday, said Alice. The Mock Turtle agreed. How did you manage the twelfth day, she asked. Enough about lessons, said the Griffin. Tell her something about the games. That's the end of this episode of Storytime Anytime for you listeners. We will pick up this story again with our next episode, which is going to actually be launched the very same day as all the other ones about Alice in Wonderland. Um, We will finish the story with chapters 10 through 12. Until then, keep finding things that you want to read as well, whether it's a paragraph, a page, a chapter, or an entire book. Just keep finding the adventures on the pages of all literary works. Take care.